0: Yes, sir.
1: What is up, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the High on the Hogs podcast. And yes, that silence means that Andy's not joining me tonight. Joining me instead for this preview edition of the High on the Hogs podcast is our football writer extraordinaire and my newest co-host on the podcast, Tyler Davis. Tyler, how you doing, man?
0: Yes, sir. I'm doing fantastic. It's the most wonderful time of the year, man. They said it couldn't be done. They said we wouldn't get here, but we're talking Razorback football, and I'm pumped to do it.
1: Man, I feel like a a kid on Christmas Eve Eve right now. I'm like, let's do this, man! Like football is finally here.
0: Yeah, after everything we've been through this year, you know, with the global pandemic and everything, um, we, we weren't sure if we were going to get here, and we were, we we're getting our Razorbacks this weekend. It may be a tough first matchup, but who cares at this point? We're getting football.
1: Hey, we knew we were going to have – we thought we were going to have 12 tough matchups no matter who they put out there just based on the way the last couple years have gone. So, hey, a a football game is a football game. I've got the Dolphins and Jaguars going on in front of me, and who would have thought I'd be watching that. So, um, football is football, but it's SEC football, baby, and I'm ready.
0: Yeah, it's a whole different level. I've watched more Sunbelt action than I ever have before. And I'm ready to watch actual football this weekend.
1: Yes, without a doubt. So we're gonna have some <laughs> fun tonight. We'll go over all the. We're gonna go over, of course, this matchup between Georgia and Arkansas, and we'll uh, we'll hit the the uh, the rest of the SEC games as well. Um, so, man, I'm I'm pumped. I know uh, how pumped are you to be on your making your podcast debut here.
0: And I can't even put it into words. You know it. When, when, when Will messaged me to, to get involved with you guys, I'd actually really had a, a major itch to get back into talking sports, specifically with podcasting and all that. So to have the privilege and the honor to be doing this right now, uh, it's like I said, I can't put it into words. It's, it's phenomenal, and I'm pumped to get going.
1: Well, we're happy to have you. We're excited to have you and your knowledge, so we're looking forward to that. So let's just jump into it. Um, as we get ready, we, we've you know we've really not had a lot of information this year, and it's, it's interesting to me because when you think about – previous years and a lot of the complaints, even under Chad Morris and, and Brett Bieleman at some extent, and in the closed practices and the lack of access, I guess this year we're just all taking it as it's part of the deal because of COVID?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, football coaches are. They're so stingy and paranoid. I thought it was funny the other day that the Georgia head coach Kirby Smart said there's not a lot of trade secrets in football. If that was the case, they would they wouldn't be so worried about letting people in. Um, Arkansas has been the only, the only school in the SEC, I believe, that's given any sort of access, even though they're only allowing the occasional 15 minutes of stretching. Um, so, yeah, we've been limited on what we know, but uh, that's okay. We're, we're taking it as it is. I think Pittman has done a good job of, of controlling everything, and we, we're taking what we can get from what we're allowed from the school so far.
1: No doubt. I've been really impressed with his press conferences, even on Zoom, even when we got to look at, at, at some of the, the, the Zoom faces of some of our local media folks at times. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help. Total, <laughs> total little rabbit hole here, but I couldn't help but laugh today when I was watching it and, and watching some of those guys, and, and they look like they're just hanging out in, in, uh, in ripped-up T-shirts. They, for, I guess, for lack of a better term, they look like, they look like a poor man's Bill Belichick on, on Zoom.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's some rough ones on there. Definitely have the faces for radio and, and internet. Yeah. Um, I know the, the other a while back, uh, old Nate Allen. I love him. Uh, well, I worked in the media, you know, for for a year and so with all those guys, and I miss those guys, but. And they had that, that audio gone moment where he popped up and Sam Pittman just died laughing. Yes. So trying to figure out how to get all those guys to use Zoom and take themselves off mute has been an adventure so far. Yes,
1: without a doubt, man, no doubt. So what's your feel of the team as we come out of fall camp?
0: Yeah, just, just at, from an outsider's perspective, just at a glance, I really feel like they have a, a renewed sense of confidence just in themselves and the coaching staff. I think they trust this staff far more than they did the last one, and, and, and I can't blame them, frankly. I mean, Pittman's put together a much better staff than, than Chad Morris did. This is, frankly, the, the, the most confidence I've had in, in a staff as a whole in quite some time. Um, it really puts that blue-collar, hard-working, physical, tough mentality, which has not been there. The team has quit when adversity has struck countless times in the last couple years, so I think that's a big change.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and it's a good point, too. I mean, I think something I've noticed just from, you know, following a lot of the players on social media is, and it's easy. I mean, when you have something like this, and you respect the coaches that are there, it's easy to have that confident feeling. But one thing that I've noticed on social media is it does seem like you know the guys and some of the ways that they 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 handle themselves on social media, some of the things that they say is you know a little more respect. And I don't want to I don't want to term this wrong because I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I just right, think right. that the guys are acting more, I guess, more professional. Maybe is the best. Like it's more of a professional style locker room these guys have instilled. You know the 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 standards in a in a new you know a new culture, which is what we've been looking for in that locker room. And I think that shows out from a lot of the stuff that's being said uh, by these players on social media as well as, you know, in press conferences. I was really impressed with, you know, with Rakeem Boyd the other day talking about, oh, we got, you know, 17,000 people are allowed in, and if they're not loud enough, we'll find 17,000 new ones. So um, (laughs) I I love that from Rakeem Boyd and the confidence that comes from these guys right now.
0: Yeah, I think we've gotten gotten a lot of fool's gold confidence in preseason the last couple of years because every year it's very easy to buy in, drink the Kool-Aid, and think this is the year these guys are buying in. But but just like you said, the way that they've carried themselves and, and, and the words they're using and the respect and the trust that they're showing in Coach Pittman and the rest of the staff this year really leads me to believe that, that it may not be fool's gold this year, and they really are confident and buying into what Pittman's selling them.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, that's going to lead into, you know, what you were talking about, seeing the team quit and, and really not give max effort. And I think that confidence is obviously going to lead to these guys, you know, having, having more confidence in the field. You're not going to see them quit. You're not going to see, you know, I don't think we're going to see those, you know, those ugly blowout losses. And, and I think if we do match up against a team, and, of course, we'll get into our predictions for this week's game here in a little bit. But even if we match up to a team that talent-wise is better than us, I think you're going to see this team fight to the end versus, you know, third quarter, eh, you know, let's go home and party, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you have a coach that you feel like truly believes in you and trusts in you and loves you and cares about you and isn't, isn't a, a snake oil salesman or anything like that, I, mean, I think it's much easier to play for a guy like that. And when some, that adversity hits, you give up a big lead early. It, it, they won't. They won't let go of the rope like they have in the past. So I don't. I know we're not playing any any non-conference games this year. But in the future, I don't see us getting housed at home by North Texas and Western Kentucky because obviously that's ridiculous and that just can't happen at the University of Arkansas.
1: Lord, I hope not. Otherwise, we need to go to the Big Twelve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big 12's having a rough start this year. They, they probably wish they went conference only
1: exactly but you know everybody that complains about you know or that you, you there's that fraction of the fan base that's like oh let's go to the we should go to the the big 12 and be more competitive i mean yeah i guess at least you know we'd fit in losing the sunbelt teams. so there's that
0: <laughs> yeah it's true i mean it's, it's oklahoma and everybody else it looks like i mean texas they think they're back every year. We'll see what actually happens. But right. the last couple of years, I'm not sure we would have competed well in any conference. And, and, and I think that'll change starting this season.
1: Yes, without a doubt, I would agree. So one thing we do have, at least at this point, is a depth chart. We know what the, what these, what the hogs are going to run out there to. And I wanted to cover that a little bit as we talk about it. Offensively, any positions that surprise you?
0: Yeah, I would say, just, just before I get into that, just generically with the depth chart, I think you you could argue the last few years that you'd call it a lack of depth chart. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it may, it, that ranks true in a couple spots, and so that's going into the spot that I'm probably most surprised about, um, and that's the tight end position. I know you you and Andy talked about this a lot earlier this week, but throughout fall camp, um, Pittman has reiterated that they're still looking for that guy there at that position, which surprises me. And every, everybody thought that Hudson Henry would come in and be the heir apparent there. Tons of stats in high school, um, highly lauded. um, But I don't know if it's a lack of physicality and inability to to pass, protect, and run block. um, But we're finding ourselves in in basically musical tight ends so far, moving guys from different positions. And and freshman Blaine Toll could get the start on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I'm just going to say – I've been very bullish on Blaine Toll from the outset. I, the kid is an, an athletic specimen. When you look at him, he's built like a brick house. I mean, the dude is is impressive looking on a football field. He's impressive looking in pads. But the knock has always been, hey, this guy was going against two A competition a year ago, not just two A competition. I mean, little bitty people with small rosters. So it was no question that he no reason no no wonder that he dominated. But he was also highly recruited. He was very highly thought of by a lot of bigger progr- or a lot of big programs, a lot of SEC programs. Tennessee was hard in there. Oklahoma was in there at some point. So, to be, I, I'm with you. I'm surprised at the tight end position. I'm more surprised at the fact that it's Blaine's whole who's your two. And maybe that's me just being too bullish on the kid. But man, that that's surprising to me as well.
0: No, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I've always been a little bit leery about about the critics that come in from really small schools in Arkansas because we've been burned by that a lot in the past, especially since he didn't start out as a tight end at Arkansas, they moved him to tight end, they moved him back to defensive the end, then back to tight end, and in those limited reps, he's somehow been able to almost grab the starting spot. Now, I will say I was doing a little bit of research into into Kendall Bryles, at least as far as last season at Florida State, I don't necessarily think the tight end is as big of a priority as, as it was with Chad Morris. Um, I think last year in 2019 at Forest State, their tight end was like the fifth leading receiver. Um, there were three, three wideouts and a running back that all caught more passes. So while it does bring you a dilemma on you got to have a guy who can, who can be physical and run blocking the SEC, but can also go out and run routes and catch passes because you can't just flip-flop guys and say, hey, Blaine, go out there and block. Hudson, go out there and catch passes. That's way too easy. And SEC defensive coordinators will catch on to that really quick.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, I think that – I guess what surprises me the most – well, not really surprises me, but when you look at the tight, end, the tight end position for Browles and how he wants to use it, I think the key for wanting a guy like Hudson Henry is just the fact that he adds that extra dynamic weapon. I don't know and, – and I even went – kind of went back to, to at Baylor. Um, and, and even then, you know, they used the tight end, but not in the way that obviously, like you said, like Chad Morris and like we've used him in previous regimes. And so I, th- I think, you know, there's a lot to be said with how well a guy's going to fit in the, from the blocking schemes. And they've said that much with Blaine Toll. that's a big reason why he's over there because he picks up the blocking side better. I mean, heck they don't have an other or a third listed on this offensive depth chart but you got to believe that a guy like Marcus Henderson's probably a, a, like a like a you know a, a fifth lineman that there a sixth lineman they're going to put out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know they, they like you said they moved Marcus Henderson over to get some time. I don't see him being super dynamic in the oh. passing game. Um, he he did say the other day that he had the fastest catapult time I think in one of the practices, which I don't know whether to be super impressed or incredibly worried about that spot. Um, but I would think Hudson would be the ideal tight end for the Browse offense, considering they do, like you said, split that guy out a lot and make him like another receiver. I would feel like he would fill that role uh, perfectly. So it'll, but it will definitely be interesting to see who they roll with, who all plays in that in that spot on Saturday, and, and what kind of effectiveness they can have against the tough Georgia defense.
1: Yeah, and you make a good point with Hudson as well. You know, I had a conversation with uh, my buddy Wes Roberts uh, with Heart of Grace Outdoors, who we've been filming the fishing show, and while we were sitting out on the boat, we had plenty of time to talk football, and uh, we got to talking about Hudson. And he said, "How many catch how many targets do you think a guy like Hudson Henry is going to get in this offense?" And my thought is, from a guy that could potentially split out wide, I mean, it's a guy you could see with with six, eight plus, t- uh, you know, targets a game when this offense is really rolling just based on his athletic ability. So would we see something like that this year? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Just, you know, I don't know that the offense is going to be rolling to that point. Um, But, you know, I'm excited. Obviously, we're all excited to see what a guy like Hudson can do. Um, You know, for me, I don't know that there was any major surprises on this depth chart outside of tight end. You know, the offensive line is about what we figured it would be. Um, you know, I am a little surprised that a guy like Luke Jones is still down there in the other spot, but um Yeah, that shocked me too. You know, yeah. So, um, that's a little surprising. I mean, he's behind an or situation in Brady Lath- Latham and Shane Clennon and and not even listed as a center either. So, um really surprised at how far down the depth chart he is. Other than that on the offensive side, you know, it's about what I expected. So, um on the defensive side, anything that surprised you?
0: Um, just far as surprises, I'm kind of like you on defense, like how you are on offense. As far as surprises, I kind of figured um, that chart would look like it does um, when it came out. Um, just just to kind of pick a position, I would I would say defensive tackle. Um, I know Xavier Kelly didn't exactly have a big role at Clemson; was kind of a, a complimentary player that got limited snaps. But I kind of saw him coming in and really taking charge. Of that defensive tackle position alongside Jonathan Marshall, but it looks like um, home state Isaiah Nichols is, is giving him a run for his money. I mean, he's listed on there as an OR, could get the start on Saturday. I know last year he played; I think he played all twelve games, had seventeen tackles um, and a tackle for loss. So he's a big, strong, physical player. Um, but I am a little bit surprised to see him as an OR on that top of the depth chart on first first team.
1: Yeah I, yeah I can see that you know a guy like Levi Draper at linebacker with our lack of depth now obviously it's a different position you're not he's not gonna start over bumper pool we know how you know how athletic and, and how talented bumper is um, and and obviously Grant and Levi play different positions but uh, you know I love Grant Morgan I'm not I'm not gonna say anything bad about Grant Morgan in terms of his heart and his you know the type of player he is you know but Levi Draper's kind of that SEC prototypical size um, and he's sitting there in that second, you know, that second spot behind, you know, with guys like Grant Morgan, Andrew Parker, Hayden Henry, you know, kind of ahead of him. Again, different linebacker position, and, and maybe if they go three linebackers, you see Draper on the field more. So that was really my only surprise on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, if, if we get into it here in a second, as far as the positions we're most concerned with, I'll, I'll get more into to the linebacker. But I agree with you. I can't. I think I kind of just assumed that the trio of transfers and Jacob uh, Kelly and Draper would all pretty much start and play significant snaps. So it does it does surprise me. I think he had some injury throughout fall camp, and that might have hurt him. And, and like you said, he is listed behind bumper Pool on a, in a two-linebacker um, system. So if they do go three linebackers, I do expect to see him on the field.
1: So, yeah, you caught me there. Let me go back. On the offensive side, which unit are
0: you most concerned with? Well, like I said, I'm most surprised by the tight end. I could say I'm most concerned with the tight end. I think we lack a lot of SEC talent and depth at that position. But to, just to go to something else, um, I, I feel like this this unit's going to be improved, but I'm going to say the offensive line. Um, I know that we have Sam Pittman as our head coach and Brad Davis as the new offensive of line coach um, from Missouri. But it's hard not to still be concerned with a lot of youth movement and a lot of unproven players at that position. I know last season I think we only gave up around 20, 21 sacks but, but to be honest, that was mainly because we had incredibly low time of possession. We had the ball for almost no time at all. So there were fewer opportunities to give up sacks. Um, I, I looked into some sacks. Um, so in 2018, um, it looks like we, we gave up closer to 30 sacks. So, so that's around over 50 sacks in two years. When Sam Pittman was here, um, his units only gave up 36 sacks in three seasons. So if we can get back to that, obviously, if you were watching back in that time, they were known for being the biggest offensive line in the history of mankind. Every single game, they, they put they put that graphic up and, and, and showed we're the biggest offensive line in the NCAA or the biggest offensive line in the NFL. I don't think we'll have that this year, but I think they'll be improved. Um, but I'm still a little bit worried. There's, a, there's some young guys, especially on the interior. Um, I have confidence in Ricky Stromberg, and I'm glad we made that change at center. Um, but, but on each side of the guard, um, you, got, you got Limmer and Latham. So those are both really young guys. They're supposed to be mean and nasty. But we really haven't seen them play much, especially on an SEC level.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm not – offensive line is just – you know, we know what the what the issues have been there. And I think, you know, like you said, everybody kind of comes into this season going, oh, the offensive line is going to be fixed because we got Sam Pittman, right. Pittman and Brad Davis. And it's not a
0: foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, it's not. There's <laughs> going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some issues. I think when you see a Brady Latham or Shane Clinton, you know, at left guard, and you see a lot of these guys who are interchangeable in the two. You know, when you look at the the second team, a lot of these guys are interchangeable in different positions, which also makes me question how much depth is actually on this offensive line right now. So, a um, couple of th- concerns there for sure on the offensive line. As far as who what, – what part of this offense are you most excited to see or maybe even just a player that you're most excited to see?
0: Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, obviously, Felipe Frank, considering he's, he's fresh into the program. We haven't seen him in a Razorback jersey. Um, I know that's an easy answer. Traylenburg, as a unit, I, I, I think they may struggle a little bit on Saturday because of Georgia's defense. But I'm really pumped to see our, our running backs go out there and play. Obviously, you got Raheem the dream boy, coming back second-team preseason All-SEC, I, I think he's one of the, the top two running backs. I think overall he's better than Kylan Hill. I mean, he managed over 1,100 yards with that offensive line, those coaches last year, and no passing game whatsoever. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think he has a chip on his shoulder, and he came back to show the scouts that he is an NFL caliber, caliber back. He's backed up by, by Traylon Smith, from the transfer from Arizona State, who got – pretty rave reviews, even his first year sitting out on, on scout team. I know one practice, Hayden Henry, said that he was like water. He was so difficult to tackle. He's continued to get those, those reviews this year. I think – and, and I know – I think we'll get into it here in a second, but Rakeem Boyd last season, you know, he's known for tapping the helmet and asking him to come out. I think that's going to have to improve this year. But I think having a guy like Smith to spell, to spell him um, in those times, I think will help out a lot. And I think they have a pretty loaded running back unit going into this season.
1: Yeah, without yeah, for sure. Especially a running back unit. I think they were concerned with initially, um, but it's really kind of grown into something that looks really, really promising. You know, we'll jump into this real quick. We kind since you kind of touched on it. You know, so last night, if you well, this will be Friday, I guess, when this comes out. So Wednesday night uh, on the coach's show with Sam Pittman, he made the comment that he expects to try to get Boyd thirty plus touches in this game. I mean, you touched on it a little bit there. Does the mentality change though for Boyd now that he trusts the coaches he's going to trust the offense and trust the system. Maybe this is a guy that doesn't tap the helmet as often and, and, and can get to 30 touches. I would just be concerned with his durability. He has been off injured since he's been here. Um, you know last, last year he toughed through some stuff um, you know but I, I, am, I am concerned as to whether or not you, you can give Boyd that kind of workload.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I had it in my notes about durability and stamina. Um, like you said, tapping the helmet, asking out, even on key downs was kind of disappointing. I don't know that he's going to be able to handle a workload of 30 carries. I, I put down that he needs to touch the ball at least 25 times a game. But I, it, it is kind of a breath of fresh air to have a coach that at least sees that he has talent and knows that so he needs to get the ball along with him and Traylon Burks. I mean, as, as Petrino used to say, feed the studs. Because I mean, you look at the stats last year, I think 21 carries was the most the team had in any game, and, and even that infamous Western Kentucky game where he was running for about 37 yards a carry. Right. I mean, he—I he, think he carried the ball eight times. I mean, yeah. That just can't happen. So, so I mean, I would err on the side of closer to 30 than, than eight. Um, so, but I, I, he says he's in the best shape of his life. He feels good. He's 100%. I say at least test it out and, and, and ride the horse that got you.
1: Oh, without a doubt, And especially with some of the depth they've got, you know, going back to our question about who, you know, who we're most concerned with and who we're most excited to see, you know, obviously I'm, you know, talked about the offensive line, but you mentioned a guy that I'm really excited to see on the offensive side of the ball, and it is Traylon Smith. You know, I remember when he transferred here and being disappointed that he was obviously going to have to sit because all we heard about was how quick he was and how how good he was mm-hmm. in fall camp and how he couldn't be tackled and and nobody could touch him and and, and the yeah, team
0: superstar yeah <laughs>
1: and, and it seems that that's kind of carried over even with the new staff and and everything into this fall camp so I'm really excited to see what you know the change of pace that a guy like that can bring along with boyd in the backfield
0: yeah and, and to, to just to pile on top of that. There's another guy on the roster named Josh Oglesby. He's a track athlete, yeah. um, and, and we've heard some pretty good things about him. About how Tuffy runs on top of just being an absolute speedster. I think he might be injured. I, I feel like he got he got he got banged up in one of the scrimmages and was wearing a boot. I'm not sure that he'll be back. I don't see him on the depth chart if he'll be back for this week. I don't know how long he's out. But he's a guy that can, can you can put in different positions at running back. Split him out. In the return game, that can really be dynamic and give you more of that SEC speed that you've been lacking in the past few years.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So on the defensive side, real quick, what are we most concerned? What are you most concerned with in terms of a unit?
0: Well, I mean, you hit on it earlier, and it's got to be the linebackers. I'm not sure how you how you really go with any other position outside of that. Um, you got Bumper and Grant Morgan listed as the starters. Like you said, uh, Morgan's the captain. He's a smart player. He's passionate. He works hard. I mean, he's like the epitome of a Razorback. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump on him or criticize him in any way in that aspect. I'm not sure that he's an SEC caliber starter. I hope he proves me wrong. If he's listening, I'm sorry. I don't mean anything. Prove me wrong on Saturday. Um, but I am a little bit surprised, like you said, that Levi Draper and even a guy like Andrew Parker, he's in the two deep, but I, I figured he'd be at least a starter at this point. He picked Arkansas over Texas. He's really well built, looks like an SEC linebacker. Um, but I, I'm just, I don't think that we have the SEC talent at the top or in in the depth to to really make a lot of noise on defense. I think we're going to struggle with mobile quarterbacks Um, like we're going to probably see Saturday. I think we're going to struggle when those guys are forced to go into pass coverage probably get beat a lot um, over the middle Um, and I just think filling those gaps and and missing tackles maybe happen but but hopefully those guys prove me wrong and and they've made leaps and bounds. I mean I think Barry Odom can, can work some wonders. I know he doesn't coach linebackers but he's a great coordinator but overall, I, I'm just concerned with the linebackers as far, as far as the defense.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there as well. No, no question there. What about a, 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 either a unit or – I'm going to go with a player, but a unit or a player that you're most excited to watch on Saturday?
0: Um, this is sort of a unit. It's, it's two people. I'm going to say defensive ends. I hope I don't steal your thunder on this, but I might. Um, because we get Dorian Gerald back, obviously, in this last season. With, he had that strained artery, just a really weird, scary injury last year. He looks really good against Portland State, quick off the ball. Um, I think he's got a great SEC um, look to him. He's quick. He's quick. Uh, but even more so, I'm more excited about Julius Coates. I don't know if this is the guy that you're going to talk to or talk about. Uh, but obviously, he's a freak. He's an animal. He's like if Sean Oakman and Julius Peppers had a love child. I just can't wait to see him come off the edge and, and really disrupt some, some quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, so, I, yes, defensive end is an easy position because – and I think we talked – Andy and I talked about that on Monday, but um, as far as those guys, I yeah, I absolutely love them. But the guy – and we talked about him a little bit on Monday, but the guy that I'm really excited to see, just because we heard so much about him, and then they ruined his freshman season. Oh, yeah. Jalen yes, yes, Catalan. Yeah. Like, I want to watch this I love guy. it. I want to see this guy at safety. I want to see this guy coming downhill. I want to see this guy hitting somebody – I'm really excited to watch Jalen Cat- Catalan and see if he can live up to three fourths of what the the love that the that Chad Morris and others gave him when he came in last year. Um, so happy that he realistically gets another year because of the COVID stuff. So no matter what happens this year, it's a free year since they screwed him last year. I'm really excited <laughs> to see Jalen Catalan this year.
0: Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to put too much pressure or hype him up too much, but I'm excited. And he was, he was obviously a stud in high school Hopefully he can be somewhat of our version of the Honey Badger and just, just be disruptive with all hawk and, and make some plays, especially on Saturday because they're going to need it.
1: Without a doubt. So we'll jump to Georgia. Offensively, new offense, new running backs, new offensive line, no quarterback. I mean, what do we got to worry about? Exactly. I mean, it should be a breeze. Yeah, we should just walk through. I mean, forget the fact that they recruit the top five every year and that there's just guys sitting there waiting in the wings that are five stars that are ready to jump out and, and, and play. Uh, you got a guy like JT Daniels who can't even get cleared right now, who may be the most talented quarterback on their on their roster. And then what do we get? We get a Dewan Mathis who no, no one really knows anything about in, in far as far as tape and seeing this guy, but we know he's a dual threat. We know that he's, you know, he, he's going to to present some issues for this Arkansas linebacking core for sure. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned about what this offense may bring. Um, you know, obviously, lots of questions. But you know, I like this Georgia offense, and it scares me a lot going against this Arkansas defense.
0: Well, any any time that you're facing an opponent who has one side of the ball that's a lot of, has a lot of question marks. And you're still excited about that side of the ball. That's probably a pretty good team. Yeah, and and that, I think that's what Georgia presents. I mean, obviously they brought in Todd Munkin um, as the offensive coordinator, has NFL experience, um, runs kind of kind of similar to what Mike Leach wants to do with the air raid offense. Um, and, and that combining a, a dual threat quarterback with an air raid offense scares the heck out of me, especially with a defense that I don't have a ton of confidence in. Um, so yeah, Arkansas. Arkansas has their work cut out for them on Saturday, and, and and even though I think with the early season struggles that we've seen from other teams and, and, and bringing in so much newness, I think that Georgia will have some hiccups that, that may give Arkansas some opportunities to at least make it a competitive game.
1: Yeah, and oh by the way, they have a guy named Zamir White who's just the ninth best player in the country and number one running back in twenty. Oh yeah, that guy. So you know, and and James Cook who's had some strong preseasons but can't can't seem to stay healthy. So. They they seem to be loaded back at at running back <laughs> as well, and, and that's just another year for Georgia.
0: Yeah, I mean they they have become a lot like Alabama in that regard, just having a factory where they just produce these guys. Like you said, Zamir White, um, I mean he was their, he was their third leading rusher last year, but even still, I mean he had 419 yards, a trio of scores. He had a pretty big game in their bowl win over Baylor. He's he's like 215 solid I mean he's still got speed but he's also just just strong as heck he's gonna be hard to bring down he's gonna present a lot of problems for Arkansas I'm sure yeah
1: and combining him with a guy and you touched on this a few minutes ago but with a guy like Dewan Mathis who is a dual threat uh, it, will he be the next in a long line of dual threat quarterbacks that torch Arkansas
0: yeah I mean I think I think Arkansas fans have have nightmares about dual threat I mean you think last even last year we made Ty Story look like Michael Vick at time. Oh So goodness, yes. there's been a lot of issues. I think that goes back to our concerns at linebacker because being able to spy QB, set the edge, take good angles, make make tackles, uh, that's, that's just what all, usually on the linebackers, and I think that's the biggest reason why Arkansas struggles with that and could struggle with that again on Saturday. Cause I don't think Mathis is necessarily as fast as, as like a Malik Hornsby that we have on our roster, but he's faster than, than Felipe Franks. He's definitely a threat. That's definitely something that they're going to have to game plan for.
1: So the key, what to you, what's the key for? I mean, we've touched on it a little bit, but the key for Arkansas's defense to find success against Georgia's offense.
0: Right. So obviously, we've we've spent a lot of time kind of tearing down the defense a little bit. We've been a little bit rude to them, but I do think that that up front and in the secondary will both be improved units. And I think the biggest key is just just up front, like like I said, with the defensive ends. I think if you can pressure the quarterback and make him uncomfortable, he's a young guy. I mean, he has, he has no no playing experience. Um, I think you can rattle him, rattle him a little bit, rush him, speed him up, make him make decisions he doesn't want to. If you're getting some sacks and tackles for loss, that's only going to help your linebackers and especially your secondary. They can only cover for so long, and if the quarterback's having to get rid of the ball quickly, that helps them out tenfold. So I think the key is if, if Arkansas can, can get in the backfield with with a Georgia offensive line that is obviously very talented, but have lost a lot of guys to the NFL and transfers, I think that they can be disruptive. They they can do some things on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, pressure, pressure, pressure. I mean, exactly. Use Dory and Gerald. Use you know Kelly and Marshall to plug that center or Nichols, whoever's in there. Let Coates and Gerald do their things off the end, and then on third down, let Soley get in there and do his thing. I mean, that's. You're right. That's the key. Let's take some pressure off these linebackers. Let the defensive backs do their thing, and and let's hope that that pressure, you know, creates some turnovers, some some mistakes by Mathis, and, uh, and and keeps Arkansas in the game for sure.
0: Right, and I, and I would like to add. So, I think the offense can really help the defense out. The defense out because it really didn't last year. Like I I briefly touched on earlier, you know, time of possession was awful. I mean, under Chad, they wanted to run that hurry-up offense, but it was like hurry up and punt or hurry up and turn it over. I mean, if they can produce some longer drives, fewer three and outs, and don't turn the ball over so much in their own, on their own side of the field, I mean, that's only going to help the defense, keeping them off the field longer, giving them more field to work with. So I think the offense can really work to help the defense and vice versa.
1: Yeah, and you make a good point because you think about it times last year, the defense looked good. There were times where it was like, okay, we can work with this. And then, you know, obviously the infamous third and Chavis that we all like to throw out there and that kind of thing. But it was so often that people was oh, this defense is awful. And sure, they were undermanned <laughs> at times. But a lot of it was, like you said, time of possession. That defense was on the field nonstop. And even when they made a big play, the offense would come out and go three and out and give it right back to the defense and, or, or a turnover, a pick six, something along those lines. So the, the defense was always playing behind the eight ball at all times last year. So, yeah, if the, off, the offense, a big piece of that. Look, if you're getting Boyd 30 carries against Georgia, that means you've moved the ball and you've controlled the time of possession, I think. So that, that's a huge help and be a huge assist for this defense to slow Georgia down.
0: No doubt, and that's definitely physical and mental. I mean, obviously, being on the field that long is exhausting, but it's hard to give optimal effort the entire game when you know if we get a stop, we're probably not going to do anything with it. So that's just deflating for a defense. So I, I think if, if Arkansas can have some success on offense, it'll give more confidence to the defense, um, and, and, and we'll have, we won't have the worst defense in Power 5 football like we've had for the past <laughs> two seasons.
1: Right. So... This has been played up a lot, obviously the surprise of getting Georgia to open the season. But do you think this Pittman connection to Georgia is being overplayed at this point?
0: I mean, I, I think any narrative like that is obviously probably going to get overplayed. Um, so I, I would say yes and no. i say it to the extent of is it going to give Pittman and Arkansas some sort of competitive edge because he was there? Is he going to be out there like Nostradamus just like predicting all of their plays? I don't think so. Um, I, don't, I, I think that especially like we said, they have a totally new offense, new players. Um, and he did just coach the offensive line, so I don't think that it gives any sort of competitive advantage. I do think that Kirby Smart and the players really do love Sam Pittman. I think that maybe they might be less apt to try to run up the score on him. Obviously, they're going to play as hard as they can and, and, and try to try to whoop Arkansas. But that's the only way I can see it. I think even more so, it's on the Arkansas side, knowing that Pittman was at that or Georgia, and this is a big game for him, being in a place that he loves. I think maybe he can have some sort of Houston nut effect raw, raw speech at the beginning of the game and just kind of, kind of. I don't think they'll pull a surprise upset, but maybe he can rally the troops and get him to be competitive for most of the game.
1: Yeah. And I think really the piece that'll get played a lot of the piece that means a lot here will be the emotional side. And, and right. you know, Pittman talked a little bit about that on his, in his press conference this evening. And, and I did find it interesting, obviously with COVID rules, they can't interact. He can't go over and, and, and hug and shake hands and, and see his old players. So, you know, I think that actually maybe takes away from it a little bit, knowing that he can't have those interactions before or after, for the game like he normally would so you know new offense new coordinator new everything i mean he may know a few things but at the end of the day this is a really really talented georgia team and i don't think it's going to matter what Pittman knows about them as as kirby <laughs> put it trade secrets i mean i don't think it's exactly so
0: all right so no you, go ahead so no, i was just gonna say i'm sure it'll just be like you said the, the emotional aspect i mean we've seen Pittman's a crier. I mean, he admitted that he he wears his emotions on the sleeves. I'm sure when he gives his pregame speech, he's going to have a lot of emotions just for his love of Arkansas and, and playing the team that he just left. So. I, I don't know if it'll have really any effect on the game itself, but it's a nice story for for the media to run with.
1: Yeah, funny. Like So when I started doing the uh, little montage to start the podcast tonight, I was going through YouTube trying to find some different things, and so many of the videos were of Pittman crying, and I thought, no, we probably shouldn't do that. Let's, just, <laughs> let's find the yes. Save that,
0: save that for
1: after the game. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Georgia's defense should be the strength this week <laughs> as we as we finish up with with the Georgia talk. I mean, well, I think they return. Let me pull that back up. I had that in front of me a second ago. Um, they, I think, that eight eight returning starters. Yeah, eight returning starters. So fourteen guys who had meaningful meaningful roles uh, in the front seven from last year's defense. So that's big. I mean, um, so, uh, yeah. So I mean, that's. That's big time for Georgia. That's obviously going to create some issues for that offensive line that we already have concerns with. So can mm-hmm. this rebuilt offensive line hold up against this really, really talented Georgia defense?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously I think I don't want to come in and say they can't. I, mean, I think that there's a shot. They have good coaching. I do like the guys that are that are in the lineup this year. I think that they're obviously bigger. I think they're stronger. I think they're tougher. Um, I saw a stat. Um, I think it was Trey Biddy um, that posted it uh, from 24/7 about this defense. And like you said, they have the eight returning starters and the number one rushing defense. And they didn't allow a single touchdown to running backs last season. That's why rushing touchdown. Like that's absurd. How is that even possible? Um, especially with the running backs that you face in the SEC. So I-, I think that they'll probably take a little bit of a step back in that regard this season. I mean, what does that even mean? Maybe giving up one touchdown this year. I just think I just think Arkansas's running game. While you need need to try to establish it to make the passing game be able to work, I think they're going to have some some tough times, some tough sledding trying to find holes um, in that Georgia front.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's and that's why to me, if you get thirty carries out of Boyd, then you've had some success because you're not going to just keep stuffing it up the middle over and over against a, a defense that's giving you a yard or two at a time. So, if Boyd gets those 30 carries and, and he's successful, obviously, with them, then, then, yeah, the offensive line did well. I mean, I think that's a huge win for the offensive line, uh, regardless of the outcome of the game. I think if, if you get 30 carries and they're productive carries out of Rakeem Boyd, you're, you're probably going to be in the game, and, and the offensive line did a lot better job than we've seen over the last couple of years.
0: Exactly. You have to be in the game. I mean, if you told me after the game that he got 30 carries, I'd say maybe Arkansas kept it close, but... If you get down a few scores, you're obviously going to need to pass the ball and you're not going to be able to do those 30 carries. But, I mean, that also goes along with their, their defense and our offensive line. you got to give Felipe Frank time to throw. Um, he is somewhat mobile. I think he can, ex- can extend plays and keep the play alive. But, obviously, he's coming off an injury. You don't know how, mental, how much that will affect him mentally um, and physically. So, they need to keep him upright as much as they can. And that's, that's just going to be a tough, a tough test on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Well, all that being said – what does success look like
0: to you against Georgia? I think for me, I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy, especially with what we've gone through the past couple of seasons. It doesn't really take much to get me excited here. Um, <laughs> show a poll. I mean, man up and compete, look like an SEC team. Um, as soon as we, as we talked earlier, as soon as adversity hits, don't, don't take your ball and go home. Don't quit. Um, maybe cover the spread. I mean, they say good teams win, great teams cover. If you can cover, I think that's a pretty solid performance. And just, just give effort. Run to the ball. Tackle hard. Maintain blocks through the whistle. Just little stuff like that. I mean, on offense, don't don't have any not top ten moments where you're running into each other in the backfield. Don't give up a fake uh, – uh, don't run fake punts. Don't give up a, a punt return for a touchdown on some nonsense like you did with North Texas. Just little things. I mean, look like you belong on the field for the majority of the game and look like you're on the same page. And you're competing for 60 minutes, and and I think most Razorback fans would be satisfied with that sort of effort.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, and I've had this conversation with a couple of you know a couple of buddies over the last couple of weeks. And every time that he you know he'll say, "What do you what do you think about this? What do you think about the season?" or this, out of the other, and I'll say, well, you know, if this... And, and he gets mad. Or, oh, this was a season of moral victories? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think this is going to be a season of moral victories. And I know that's hard for, for Razorback fans to digest. But, I mean, look, if we go out in this game, to me, and, and we cover, you know, like you said, we cover the spread, we keep this game relatively close, and, and we show fight, it's not... You know, forty-eight to you know, forty-nine to three in the fourth quarter, and guys are like, "Yeah, screw it." And we were playing every third-string guy because guys don't you know just don't care at this point. So um, definitely don't want to see that. To me, success in this game is let's 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 stay with these guys. It's proved that you know over the last couple of years, all this talk about Arkansas being the least talented team and, and all that. I mean, Arkansas is recruited fairly well. You know, it's it's not like this team is devoid of all talent. So go out there and show it. Go out there and use it, and let people understand. Hey, this program's got some talent in it. We may not be a, 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 a five, six, seven, eight win team. Even we, we may be a two or three win team, but show some heart, show some passion, and, and get out there and play hard on every snap. And that's a win to me. I mean, as long as this team plays hard, stays close, and and uh, and shows some fight, I'm, that that's success to me in week one.
0: Yeah, I mean, just ha- just have a sense of pride about yourself. I mean, I'm sure these guys, even more so than the fans, are embarrassed about the product they put on the field. So just just Show that and take it out on the field, take it out on Georgia, and just give a full effort for the entire game, regardless of what the score is. But if you can keep it close, if you can keep it within three scores, three or four scores, I would say that's a pretty, that's a pretty successful effort.
1: I'm with you, yeah, without a doubt. So it's time. Official picks. I'm going to let you Uh-oh. go first. What you got?
0: Putting me on the spot here. Put you on the um, spot.
1: New guy gets the spot right now.
0: <laughs> well let's see I think that emotionally I think the players love Sam Pittman I think that they're going to play for him I think that he gives a fantastic moving just, just award winning speech before the game um, I think he's going to rally the troops here but I, I don't think it's going to be enough obviously I think that Felipe Franks will get some things going in the passing game I think the defense will be a little bit more disruptive um, than we expect and I think that Arkansas can stay within a couple of scores for, for a lot of the game but like we've talked about, that overall talent and depth that Georgia has is just – I mean, we're talking about a top five team in the country here. We're going from a team that hasn't won an SEC game in two years versus the number four team in the nation. That's just a lot to ask. Um, I think Georgia just just pulls away late. Um, I think Arkansas covers. I think I saw the spread um, today was up to 28. I think Arkansas covers but loses 41-17. to 17.
1: Okay, so – I don't know that I'm too far off with you in terms of in terms of my thought, but I think this is gonna be the I think this is gonna be kind of a, a game of Three phases. I I agree with you. I think the emotions going to be really high for Arkansas coming out, and I think you are going to have these guys are really going to come out and play hard for Sam Pittman. And I think early on, I think Arkansas is going to surprise some people. I think that 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 in the early part of the game, they're going to do some things that nobody's really thinking they're going to do. And offensively, I think we'll move the ball at least fairly well early. Um, I think that Georgia, you know, as Georgia's probably going to do, will be able to adjust. I think their depth, uh, their talent, you know, obviously is a little better than us. And, and, you know, you made the point on the air raid, you know, type offense and the systems that, that Georgia's going with this year does concern me with our personnel. Um, so I think Georgia's able to pull away late. Um, I think, they're, they're kind of in the middle of this game, I think they call the dogs off a little bit, not to, not to use no a bad, pun intended, yeah, no, not to use a bad <laughs> pun, but I think they call the dogs off late. But I still think Arkansas is able to cover, and I'm going to go 45 to 20.
0: Okay, Georgia.
1: that's fair. So, I think we
0: that's better, fair. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say
1: I like you know I like what this team brings and I and I think it's gonna be an exciting game. It's gonna be exciting just to have football back you know back being played and Razorback football back being played. Um, but you know just a lot of talent on that Georgia side. Like you said, number four team in the country. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Like you said, I think I think Arkansas can can pull some tricks out of their sleeve. I mean, they're not there are no games against Cupcake. Well, used to be Cupcake, but non conference games where you where you where you're vanilla by by design. I know everyone wants to hear that. Um, So, you might as well pull out all the stops to win every game you can this season. You only get 10 opportunities, and they're all conference opponents. So, I think Arkansas will will go forward and show some some effective things early on in the game. But like you said, just not quite enough to beat a nationally ranked number 14 in the country.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So, you got the schedule there in front of you? I'll give you a second to – Pull it up in front of you. Now, right?
0: are, we, are we doing, doing the Arkansas no, no, schedule? No, no, just the
1: SEC schedule for this week.
0: Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah I sorry. think I have all the games pulled okay. up. I got them here. should good so, to go. Shouldn't
1: surprise you, but sorry, I'm sitting here okay. watching Gardner Minshew give the ball back to the Dolphins. Oh, boy, he got smashed on that play, too. So, all right. Anyway, back I'm to the i prodigy. Yes. Oh, man. We'll get into that. In a, we'll get into that in a week or two. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, first game, Florida at Ole Miss. Who you got?
0: Okay, so Florida at Ole Miss, uh, last time I checked, the line was like 14 for the Gators. Um, everybody's on the lane train for some reason. I keep watching the SEC Network, and they act like he's, he's God's gift of football. He's the greatest first-year coach in the conference. I think he's kind of been a little bit of a dud since he was hired there. I think that theme continues. I think the Kyle's, Trask, and Pitts are both way too much for Ole Miss. I think Florida wins 42-21.
1: Yeah, I think Florida blows this game out. I don't. I just. I'm not a big fan of what Ole Miss is bringing to the table this year. I think they're going to be better than people think. But I think I saw a, a ranking come out today that had them at like seventh in the SEC. I'm like, oh no way! Like that's like you said. He's you know, There were rumors at one point, of course. With Lane Kiffin, there's always rumors. But there was rumors at one point that he was already out at Ole Miss and, and all you know, all kinds of craziness, and he, his recruiting's been tough. He's made the mayor of Oxford mad. So, I mean, <laughs> things have looked pretty ugly down in, in, in Oxford. So, yeah, Dan Mullen's got things rolling at Florida. I like Florida big in that game. All right, Kentucky at Auburn. I should have saved this one for a lot. You know what, I'm going to save them for last. We'll come back to that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Let's go. All right, here's an easy one. Alabama at Missouri.
0: <laughs> yeah, speaking of easy ones. So, uh, let drinkless gets Alabama out of the gate. Um, there's not a more deserving team to get that matchup in the first game. Um, I think in the videos I've seen them put out, Missouri kind of looks like a high school team. Yes, They're led by a high school coach. I'm not a fan. I think he's a dweeb. I think Bama rolls. I think they, they win and cover pretty easy.
1: Drink's going to have to do a lot of drinking to get drunk to get through this game. That's all I know. <laughs> so, uh, Alabama's going to – Alabama's going to have a lot of fun in this game. We're going to see what that offense is all about early on. Roll Tide. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the only time we say it all season, but, yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Probably another easy one, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, this is a, I think this is the largest spread of any of the SEC games this year. I think A&M is perennial fool's gold. I think that they're always overrated. I think they have their $75 million man at head coach. I think he's overrated. But, I mean, what are you going to say? They're playing Vanderbilt. I think that they – I'm not sure that they cover 30-and-a-half, but I think that they win. I think Vanderbilt's defense holds them to a low enough score to, to cover, but this is going to be an easy, easy walkthrough victory for the Aggies.
1: Yeah, that number's up to 31 now. I'm looking at it on ESPN. Four, and An and over-under of only 46-and-a-half, so uh, they obviously expect A&M to score all the points in this one. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, And they might. Yeah, they and, and I'm a you know so I've been kind of a, a an outspoken fan of AM this year. I think they've got some pieces. Maybe I'm just jump maybe I'm just following in with the with all the hype. But you know, we we talked I talked with Brandon Marcello about this on the pod a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I get to this at this point, you know, and 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 he was the same, he said, you know, this is a fool's gold team. So um I think AM, again, I think this is another big one. I don't think AM has any problems with Vanderbilt, and I think they get the offense going. I actually tend to think that A and M covers in this one, and, and I'm taking okay. I'm taking A and M in, in this one. I just Vanderbilt's the only team rated lower than Arkansas in the SEC right now, and they're not a yeah, that, football team.
0: That's saying something. <laughs> and you may be right about A and think I'm just kind of bitter because I think that they're weird. I think that they're a occult. Um, I think Kellen Mond is highly overrated. And I he said he was the best quarterback in the SEC last year. No. I think that's far from the truth. But they're they're a really good team. They they should. Compete for the West this year.
1: I'm probably dead wrong on A and M, and I hope I am dead wrong on AM because I don't want them to have yeah, exactly. I just think that they'll be. I think they're going to be. This could be the year that they really live up to some things. But again, uh, with the weird scheduling and everything else, maybe obviously that changes a lot of stuff. So
0: uh, they better, and they're paying a lot of money for it. Yeah,
1: Tennessee at South Carolina.
0: Um, to me, this is even though it's supposed to be the closest game of the year. I think this is kind of a snooze fest. I think it's two of the more boring teams the conference. Um, just battling it out to see who's the least boring. I think Muschamp's on the hot seat. And for whatever reason, he's turned to a new offensive coordinator and quarterback who were cast off at Colorado State. Um, don't think that move is going to really pan out for him. I think Tennessee wins. I think it's a, a two score game around 10 to 11 points, and, t- and Tennessee pulls this one out.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I'm with you. I think South Carolina, this is the beginning of the end for Um, uh, You know, Pruitt got him a nice $400,000 raise. Uh, kudos to him for not taking that raise until next year, I guess, if you want to give them, give anybody at Tennessee kudos. Respect. Respect. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, three-and-a-half point line, I do. I th- you know, Tennessee's an interesting team this year. I'm really actually intrigued to watch them because they had so much success late last year, but was it fool's gold? They didn't play anybody. I mean, UAB, Kentucky, exactly. Missouri, Vanderbilt, Indiana, and you about got beat by that Indiana team. So, yeah, I mean – I, you know, I think Tennessee wins this game. I don't think they have too many issues with South Carolina. So, I'm going to go Tennessee, and I'm with you. I think that's, a you know, a 10, 14-point game, and they, right. they cover that pretty easily. All right, let's see. We've hit that one. All right, here's here's another one with a, very, a team I'm very intrigued in this year. Mississippi mm-hmm. State at LSU.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is definitely one of the more interesting games of the weekend. Um, obviously, you have Mike Leach and his crazy personality and offense against the defending national champs who have lost like 147% of their production from last season. Nobody, um, we've talked about this before. I mean, how do you know what is going to look like this year? They're basically playing all of their backups from last season and even lost most of their coaching staff. So, I, I think that, that Leach is going to have enough offense to scare the LSU fans. Um, I don't know if it'll be quite enough to beat LSU, but I think that this is going to be a closer game than the spread is. I think that that the dogs can keep it within 10 and can do some things throwing the ball. But, I mean, they haven't had a defense. They definitely won't have a defense this year. I think LSU wins by 10 points.
1: Yeah, and, and so, man, we're too close in all these picks this week. We're, <laughs> we're agreeing too much. we got to
0: start disagreeing in the future.
1: Yes, but, no, so I'm, I think you're right. I think Mississippi State's able to keep this game close. 16-and-a-half point spread. I think it's going to be right about that number just because – Mississippi State, you said it. They're not going to have any defense, um, no. and, and offensively, and, and offensively though, the crazy thing is, is I think coming out of some of their stuff in fall camp is their defense has been better than their offense. Which when have you ever heard of a Mike Leach team be able to say that? So <laughs>
0: yeah, concerning. That,
1: and I don't think that's because they got a lot of talent on defense. I just think that no, 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 no. <laughs> they're struggling to get things going on offense at this point. So um, yeah, but you say that LSU sitting over here with, with 70 scholarship players, which is mind blowing to me. Um, And and add to that, you know, you made the point as far as, you know, SEC, their coaching staff. So I read a thing, I read an article the other day talking about Miles Brennan and how he's just going to step in and, and, and be the next Joe Burrow. Well, what makes you think that? When you think about Joe Burrow, <laughs> Joe Burrow struggled his first year at LSU to the point that I think a lot of people were like, "Yeah, he's got the talent, but is he really going to be anything different than what LSU's ever had at quarterback?" And then they bring Joe Brady in, and suddenly he's a world beater. He's the best quarterback in the country. He, I mean, so much of their success falls back to Joe Brady, who's now gone. Plus, 100%. You, you take so many pieces your best wide receiver in Jamar Chase has opted out. Uh, a lot of your really your better players that you were counting on this year have opted out. I think Miles Brennan struggles mightily. I don't think it really happens in this game, but yeah, I think this game's much closer than, than this than, you know, than people think. And, and, and I think this game could be in that you know potentially a one score game really late.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think I see Miles Brennan being more 2018 Joe Burrow than 2019 at all. Um, I think that that's probably a pretty good prediction there. Um, I mean, I think that there's a very real scenario where LSU gets fourth in the West this year um, and really takes a step back from, from the incredible team that they had last season.
1: Yeah, without without a doubt. So, our favorite game of the whole week. <laughs> it's pretty close on the spread when you think about it, but number tw- – no, no, let me say that again. Number 23, Kentucky, travels wow. to number eight, Auburn. I thought – I thought we
0: were covering football this week. Yeah.
1: But... Oh, they are ranked. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, was looking, I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, Kentucky number 23, Auburn number eight, the great Chad Morris at offensive coordinator. I can't believe I just said that. I might have just thrown up.
0: Who you got? Okay. So, maybe this is just predicting with what I what I hope to happen because I think that the memes and the jokes, and and everything would be incredible. Um, This is my upset special of the week. I mean, I really do think that Kentucky's a solid team. I mean, you said they're ranked 23rd. What Stoops has done there is nothing short of incredible. Um, They have a really good units on both sides of the line. I think they have a really solid defense. Um, I do think that Chad is obviously a better offensive coordinator and has better talent to work with at Auburn than he did here at Arkansas. I think he's more equipped to, to fill that role, but I don't care. I think I think Kentucky goes into Jordan Hare Stadium. I think they upset the Tigers. I think that the the hot seat is fired up. They're calling for Gus and Chad's head after week one. And I think that Arkansas Twitter just absolutely explodes.
1: We gotta stop agreeing on everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy. On the page. You look at the metrics on this game. Like a uh, matchup predictor on ESPN has this eighty five percent chance for, for Auburn to win it. But the spread right. Is only a seven and a half point spread, and yeah, something's got to give them. Yeah, and they're at Auburn, so here's what I think gives. I think the quarterback situation just gives out at Auburn this weekend. Everybody is so ready for Bo Nix to to go to go off, and mm-hmm. that now he's got Chad Morris, and, and he's going <laughs> to go off this year. Okay, what I'm waiting for is that first blow up between Bo's dad and Chad Morris. The first time that <laughs> something crazy happens, there's no secret. Bo's been coached by his dad for all this time. Yeah, now he comes into a guy that that every week played the rotating carousel of quarterbacks for the last two seasons, and that's the guy you're trusting to to put you know your 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 son's you know future in. I don't know, man. I just I think this ends in a really bad marriage. I've said this many times that, you know, this that that, that you know Morris is or that that uh that Malzon that Morris is Malzon's you know scapegoat, but you know, yeah. when we talked to Brandon Marcello, he made a good point. Gus Malzon's out of scapegoats. If they don't win this year, he's gone. And and, For sure. and and I think that's true. I think the only thing that could save him is the fact that we have this lack of revenue because of COVID. That is to me mm-hmm. the only only reason guys like Jimbo Fisher and Gus Malzahn keep their jobs if those programs struggle this year. But I'm with you. Kentucky wins this, and I think Kentucky wins this by 10 points.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of always said that Auburn feels like the most ungrateful, delusional fan base because, I mean, you lose one game and that game's to Alabama, they want you gone. So I, I, I think that they every year they want Gus fired. I think this this might be the year that it happens, but like you said, it may not be. I'm mentioning the quarterback position. On the flip side, it's kind of interesting because Kentucky does have um, Joey Gatewood, who yeah. transferred from Auburn. He's been cleared by the NCAA. I don't think he's been cleared by the SEC. I heard that they had some sort of backdoor handshake agreement that Kentucky wouldn't play him against Auburn, and that's how they would get him eligible. I don't know. It sounds like something Gus would do. Um, but I don't think it'll matter. I think even if it's touchdown Terry Wilson, who's back this year, I think that, like you said, I think, I think Kentucky rolls in this one. Auburn fans are crying. In Tumors Corner, I think Chad and Gus are on the hot seat, and I think it's going to be a glorious, a glorious night.
1: Oh, uh, you just you don't know how much <laughs> I hope this happens. It will. Oh, it would make my Saturday. I mean, it, it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, regardless of what happens
0: with Arkansas, you know, as long as Chad loses, I think that a lot of people will probably be okay.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Agreed. One hundred percent. So, well, man. You've survived it. You got through the first pod. We went a hair longer, but that always happens on our podcast. <laughs> so,
0: not surprised by yeah. that at all. But I uh, mean, I told you before, I figured we'd probably go over. We got a lot to talk about. Plus, it's the first one of the year. I mean, we're all bursting with excitement. We have so much we want to say. Um, but I'm tired of talking. I just want to see it. Let's yes. see it on the field. I hope Arkansas puts a, a product on the field we can be proud of. And, and I'm just pumped that I've SEC football back in our lives.
1: Man, I'm with you. Well, all right, 3 o'clock on Saturday. Before you get there, before you go, just a couple reminders. Zach with our team, Zach Kerr, he's going to be over at Lost Pizza watching the game, uh, so go go join him. If you don't have anywhere else to go, uh, go go head over to Lost Pizza Company in Benton, Arkansas, and join Zach. Uh, of course, they're big-time sponsors of not only our shows but our, our high school football game of the week. This week, we are at Mel again for a huge top-five pa- matchup between Little Rock Christian and, and Mel. so really excited for that one. Yeah, we're, 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 we're chomping at the bit to get to that one, so ready for that. But, again, thanks to our sponsor, Lost Pizza. Uh, big thanks to Lens Marketing and Design for bringing this show to you tonight. And, uh, man, I appreciate you joining me, Tyler, and, and look forward to this game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, like I said before, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be able to do this with you and continue it out throughout, throughout the season. Hopefully we have some good things to talk about next week. And may, maybe we have – the surprise upset victory of the year in week one. Um, but it, it, regardless, I appreciate you letting me do this. Go hog, Steve Georgia.
1: Yes, sir. Until next week, woo pig.